All right, I think that's all my announcements. So we're going to jump into God's Word this morning. Last week we started a brand new series entitled Overall. We looked in basically Colossians, the first chapter. We talked a little bit about what was happening there in the church there and as Paul was writing to them. And, and really, the Colossians were having uh, some good things happen, but they were having really some bad things happen. They were kind of this group of individuals that were allowing other things to kind of come alongside Jesus. It wasn't Jesus overall. It was kind of Jesus and this and Jesus in my traditions and Jesus and, and circumcision or Jesus in this type of situation or Jesus and angels and all these types of things and Paul writes this letter to kind of help correct them to give them some loving discipline about the fact that you know what it's Jesus Jesus needs to be central Jesus isn't just a good idea he's the only idea and he's over all and last week we kind of laid the groundworks of that over the next four weeks we're going to starting this week we're going to kind of look more specifically at some topics that I believe that is very important for us to understand that Jesus is over it you know, because sometimes these things we unfortunately can put over Jesus. And sometimes it's not even things that we're realizing that we're doing. They kind of creep in. It kind of takes some time and they kind of come in and we realize it maybe longer than we, we should have. And so these are things that, that as we look at these things together, I want us to really be open and honest with ourselves. Because a lot of times it's real easy when we're talking about some of these things to think. And some of them, will listen, will be much easier than others. But to kind of overlook them or think of others or think of other people and, and not look at ourselves first. And I want to encourage you that some of these things we have kind of allowed probably in our lives to kind of take the place of Jesus. And some, again, are going to be a little bit easier or harder depending on the particular topic. But we are going to be back in Colossians this morning. We're going to continue on kind of where we stopped a little bit last week as we kind of look at this letter. Not that we're going to break it down tremendously, the whole letter, but we are going to kind of use it as kind of a springboard throughout most of this series. And so let's open our Bibles, if you have them, to Colossians 1. We're going to start with verse 19. We're going to go to 22. So again, if you have your Bibles or your phone, grab that. Let's look at it together. Here's what it says. This is starting with verse number 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And I love this starting with verse number 21. It says, this includes you who were once, uh, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of, the, of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. This morning, what we're going to be focusing in on is the fact that Jesus is over all sin. Over all sin. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do thank you for this time. And God, as we come to, before you in your word, God, I pray that you would open our hearts to what you desire to communicate to us. That God, that we would put aside uh, other things and other situations and we would focus entirely on you. Because God, you have something that you want us to understand and see and have you change us through your, the power of your word this morning. And so God, I pray that you would help us do that. 
Open our hearts to you. We love you. And help me, Father, to communicate exactly what you desire for me to share. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sin. Isn't that a good topic, huh? Nothing that makes you excited? I remember as a kid, like, like we would do, and I know like some of you would remember this, some of you were like clueless to this, which is fine, no big deal, but I remember we would have what was called scheduled revivals at my church growing up, which kind of always made me laugh, because like, how do you schedule a revival, you know? Anyway, whatever. So we would have these scheduled revivals, and normally, like, like I remember, like, this was when I was really young, you know, like, like, like early 80s, mid 80s, and I was typically in, in kids' church during big church, okay? I, yes, I still call it kids in big church, I'm sorry. And I would usually do that. But I remember at these revivals, it was like Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. And they would bring in an evangelist. And I'm going to be very mean here in a second. But they'd bring in an evangelist, and usually the guy who had a three-piece suit on. Okay? Remember these? This is like early 80s. Okay? It was usually a color that was never found in nature. Okay? And the tie was always funny. And he would get really excited. And, and I'm, I'm being kind of mean here because I'm kind of, you know, but, but I remember he was he preach about, and, and here's what I remember him preaching about. Wednesday night, sin. Thursday night, sin. Friday night, sin. sin. Saturday night, sin. Sunday night, sin. And I remember as a child, like, like I thought there was Jesus in this equation. And here's what I found about sin. In a lot of ways, especially today in our churches, we've kind of unfortunately kind of gone to some extremes when it comes to sin. Sin has either become this unbelievable, like, like boogeyman that we never talk about. Meaning, you know, oh, you're fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. You know, oh, sure, sin. But it's, it's kind of that thing that we kind of have pushed into the closet. We don't like to talk about it because here's why. We don't want to offend anyone. Can I just tell you right now, sin is offensive. It is. Like, if you sit here and go, oh, we're going to talk about sin, and don't kind of like, uh, yeah. Sin's offensive. Why? Because sin destroys the natural order of God. God set things out, and he didn't set things out for this type of situation to be in. Because we messed up, because we rebelled, sin entered the world, and it is offensive. And so we kind of shy away from it. You're okay, I'm okay, everybody's okay. And then there's the other extreme where it's like, you know, you, you blink wrong and it's sin. And there's like, there's no grace, there's no power of God, there's no, listen, yes, there's sin, and yes, we need to understand that, but God is greater and Jesus is over all. I believe that God wants us to have a healthy understanding of what sin is, how it affects our lives, how it destroys our lives, but at the same time also understand that Jesus is over it all. And that's over all sin. Like, you can't come to me and go, you know, mm, you know I, I, I did this. I, Jesus isn't over Jesus is over the little white lies, but Jesus isn't over this. No, no, no. Jesus is over it all. He came, and he is over it all. And so no matter what sin you got, no matter what lifestyle you have been living, God can come through his son, Jesus, and he can wipe it clean. And so we talk about sin here. Because I believe that the enemy has a diabolical plan, and I use that word on, on purpose, to try to get you and me and the world believe there's no such thing as sin. And here's what I've learned, folks. If there's no sin, 
there's no need for a savior. Do you understand why this is so dangerous? Do you understand why the enemy is pushing this idea so hard that you get to make your own calls, that it's your standard, your truth? This isn't something that someone cooked up in some office building. This isn't something someone cooked up in basically the media. This is something that has been cooked up in the pit of hell to keep us from Jesus. And I believe that we need to talk about sin. We need to understand it because then we can understand in a greater degree the power of the blood of Jesus and what it has done and how it has saved us and how that we have been made new because of it. The bottom line is this, and we have to understand this, and we look at sin and we look at this and trying to find that place that is not one extreme or the other, but an understanding of sin and all those things that Jesus has done for you and me. And it's quite simple to say it this way. Jesus came to us so we could come to him. We're going to break this down a little bit later in the message, but literally we have to understand when we look at Colossians 1, 19 through 22, you want to break it down simply. It's easy. Jesus came to us so we could come to him. We couldn't do it on our own. In fact, we'll get into that a little bit later, but we have to understand that is an amazing situation that we now find ourselves in. Because honestly, we were the ones that ran away. We were the ones that sinned. We were the ones that rebelled. And yet, even at the beginning, God promises us a Savior. He promises us someone who will come and take that sin and cancel it and cover it and remove it. But we have to understand a little bit more about sin. Because here's what's strange to me. I don't think we truly understand. We, maybe you say, I've grown up in the church, Aaron. So did I. So have I. But I think there's some areas even that we, as, as we, that we can learn today a little bit more about sin and how it destroys and all those types of things. But also, also what we're saved from and the miraculous, unbelievable gift of grace that Jesus gave, gives us. So this morning we're going to look at this. We're going to see how Jesus is over it all. But before we kind of move to that to the end, we're going to look at some elements of what sin really presents to us and the impact that it can have. We're going to look at that together. So I want to start with this idea of the reality of sin, the reality of sin. Like what is sin? Because again, a lot of times we have a misunderstanding of some of these basic things that we need to understand, not so that we can glorify the sin, but so that we can glorify Jesus who's over it all. So let's look at this together. Let's start with 1 John. 1 John 3, 4 says this, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for it, all sin is contrary to the law of God. You see, what we have in our culture today is this idea that you get to make your own laws, that you get to make your own truth, and that is not what Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that God as creator and God as God has set forth rules and laws and understandings that we as his created must follow. You see, something bad happens in our world when the created thinks they can dictate to the creator. Strange things happen. Bad things happen. Things happen because as the created, we do not understand the things that the creator understands. And some of these things 
can truly affect our lives in a great way. And we all have this issue in our hearts, in our lives, of kind of, 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 of this breaking of God's laws. Breaking of what he's commanded. What his standard really is. And the reality of it is, is that, that all of us is, are in that position. In fact, we need to understand kind of what that even means. Because, you know, we talk about breaking the laws. Like, like what does that mean? How does that work? Like, we understand it maybe in the context of, of a police officer and breaking, like, a speed limit law or, or robbing someone. But is this, is this a different idea? We need to understand a little bit deeper about what this really looks like and what it means. In fact, in fact, we talked about this a little bit in an email that I sent a couple of weeks ago now, but the idea, the English word, the idea that we get the word sin from, it comes from the idea of to miss the mark. It's, it's, it's kind of like an archery term, okay? And, and what's interesting about that is a couple of, well, it's about a month and a half ago now, um, my family and I went on a, on a little trip. Uh, for those that don't know, I think most of you do know, uh, Easton and I share a birthday, which is really cool, and I really enjoy that. I think he does so far. He, that may change in the coming years. We'll see. But we, we, try, we try to take sometimes a trip, a little family trip, and we went on a little trip uh, up into the mountains and went to kind of a camp for a couple days and had a great time. There was so much to do and had a great time. And I have some really, really uh, disturbing news, and I, I do want to let you know I did talk to him about this. He was okay with me sharing this, so please don't run to him and say, I can't believe your dad did this. I have his permission, but I have some terrible news. I have actually photographic evidence of my son sinning. Isn't that horrible? I, you know, I know you're sitting there, you know, like, what a horrible father. You know, like, you didn't correct him, you just simply took pictures. Okay? I, I, and I have brought them to show you this morning. My son's sin. Okay? Now, now here's the deal. There's the pre-sin, and then there's the sin. And I want you to see it. Now, I, and again, he, is, he has talked to me about it. We have prayed. Forgiveness is a great thing, you know, but... I thought I'd show you. So, Jen, you want to throw that first picture up there? This is pre-sin. Okay? My son, is, he's got a bow and arrow. He really enjoys that. And so, we, where we were at the camp, they had a little place where you could, you could do this. Now, we were hoping to do it outside, but it was raining, and so they moved us indoors. And so, this is obviously Easton with his bow and arrow. And it's really cool. I, I, I don't know if I took this picture, or my wife did, probably him. But if you can see, the arrow is actually in the air. You see it? Now, Jane, let's go to the next sin picture. There it is. I know. I'm a horrible father. Do you see the sin? You see it on there? You see it, right? No? Okay, well, thanks for being honest, Jim. Okay, so, so I want you to look. There's, there's three or four arrows, I can't quite tell, that are down in kind of the black and the blue area of the target. That's his sin. You see it? You see... When in archery, you would miss the mark, it was literally said that you sinned. Now look, see the one that, now listen, he's 10, so I understand it's maybe not in the, the middle middle, but we're just for sake of illustration, he got one in the yellow, didn't he? Now in that one, even though technically, but he's 10, we're going to give him a little break here. That was not sin because he hit the mark. But the other arrows, the other four there, it's sin. That's where we get the idea and the concept of sin. It's missing the mark. It's not hitting the bullseye. It's something that we have to understand because here's what we typically like to do. 
We look at our sin, especially as Christians, and we go, oh, listen, listen, I, I, I have worse, this person has worse sin than I have. When you understand the reality of sin, the only thing that's not sin is basically when you hit the bullseye right in the middle. Anything else, you hit the blue, you hit the red, it's not, doesn't matter, you sinned. You fell short of hitting the mark. We have to understand this. We have to know that simply missing the mark is sin. And why do I say it like that? It's like, well, Aaron, that's kind of mean. Aaron, no, no, it's to help you understand something that we're going to talk about later. And that is, is that everyone has missed the mark. Every one of us has missed the target. It doesn't matter if you hit the red over and over and over and over and over again. You still have missed the mark. And it's so important that we understand that. In fact, let's look at it also in the New Testament in one way that basically Jesus helps him, us understand this concept. And he does it in a strange place in a lot of ways because Jesus is asked by some religious leaders and some teachers of the law. They basically ask Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Now we've talked about this before. They start, God started with 10. The Jewish people added like 600 and something of them. And so they're basically asking, out of all of these laws, some are of God, some of man, which is the most important? Which is the one that we should be most focused in on? Look to what Jesus says as he answers this question in Mark 12. In Mark 12, Jesus replies, starting with verse number 29, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Then 31. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So Jesus responds here. And he basically lays out in a very broad sense what God has commanded us. What are God's laws? And he basically, even from the ten, breaks it down to the two. And here's what's interesting. When you look at the ten, you can literally take all ten and put them under one of these two things. Because they're all about either basically following God, loving Him, serving Him, Him being Lord, or basically how we handle others. And we've broken it down even more sometimes in the church today. He says, love God and love others. But Jesus has communicated this. And so this is the standard this is what God has commanded you and me. So this is in your notes. So sin is imperfectly loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and imperfectly loving our neighbors as ourselves. I use the word imperfectly on purpose. That means you have to do it perfectly. You have to hit the bullseye every single time for as long as you live. And I'm not even getting into the idea of, of Adam and the original sin and all this sort of stuff, which I could. But it's missing that mark. It's not being perfect. It's not hitting the bullseye. And that's why it's easy for us to look at Romans 3.23 and to look at ourselves and go, yeah, that's me. Because Paul writes, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us. Like, and I'm telling you, the enemy would love for you to believe that this doesn't apply to you. But I promise you it does. 
it, 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 it's every single one of us. And what's interesting is I love the concept of the archery and, and all those things. Because here's, you know, you ever, you ever watch, um, because if you have like no life, uh, like the, the Olympics archery. Like normally, like when I was a kid, it was like you had a very limited number of stuff. But now because of streaming and all this sort of stuff, like you can go like, I think I'll watch archery. And you can. And these are the best archers in the world. And they still miss the mark. They still don't hit the bullseye every time. But yet somehow we have bought into this lie that thinks, no, nah, it's not me. Or what we have come to believe is basically, yeah, may not hit the yellow bullseye every time, but at least I'm in the red. No, it's sin. Or we'll say this, well, I might be in the red or I might hit the bullseye all the time, but you know Joe over there? <laughs> Sometimes he misses the whole target. And we forget that what the reality of sin really is for us. And it's good to remind ourselves of the state that we find ourselves in. But let's continue on. Now let's talk about the effects of that sin. The effects of the sin. Now let's go back to Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 21, we see this. And this is what Paul writes. He says, this includes you who were once far away from God. Now listen to the wording he uses, how strong it is. He says, you were his enemies. Enemies of God. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. I would say as we look at this, and we're going to look at several different things that sin does, but sin really does just flat out separate us from God. Like that is one of the main things it does. You look at what sin does, it separates. It keeps us from the things that God has for you and for me. It takes us away. It separates relationship in so many ways. And Paul writes that here. He says, listen, you are an enemy of God. And it separated you from him. Sin separates us. Listen, if you're looking in your life and you're seeing separation from God or you're seeing even separation in some ways from a relationship, I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of times there's sin involved. There's selfishness. There's greed. There's many, many things. There's, there's pride. And it separates not only our relationship with God, but even our relationship with each other. It separates us, but it also does something else. It, sir, it really does this in a lot of ways. Sin curves us inward. It curves us inward. When we begin to sin, basically what it does is instead of being what God has called you and I to be and created us in this way, to be curved outward, sin curves us inward. And here's what happens. Have you ever seen something in your life, it was created to curve a certain way? And so when it's curved a certain way or made to curve a certain way, it can be curved quite easily. And I'm going to go back to the idea of a bow, okay? Bows were made, not necessarily the fancy ones that you see today, but the wooden bows, they were created to bend a certain way. And so when they are bent that way, they flex the way they're supposed to, and they actually perform how they're supposed to perform, which is to propel an arrow forward. But listen, if you take a bow that was created in the way that it was supposed to be created, and you begin to bend it the other way, 
something will eventually happen to the bow. It will break. And what happens with sin and what happens in our lives is when sin begins to curve us inward, it begins to curve us in a way, listen, that we were never created to bend. God made you a certain way. God made me a certain way. And he made us to bend outward to him and to others. Sin bends us inward. And eventually, if you are bent inward long enough, you will break into pieces. So not only does sin separate, not only does sin curve us inward, but it brings forth brokenness in your heart and in your life because you were never created to bend that way. Jesus came and he communicates that in Mark. He says you were meant to bend out, but sin bends you in. You look back at the original mess up, the original screw up in the garden. What does Satan do? He tempts Adam and Eve to bend inward, not outward. And eventually the bow snaps and destruction comes. So many times we think that sin is not something that is as destructive as it is. We even have terms for it. We call them little white lies or little sin or, or, or we, 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 we kind of have that type of mentality. But I promise you, even the little sin, if it goes on long enough and festers long enough, it will eventually bring brokenness. You ever met somebody that kind of has some issues with lying? And they kind of tell one lie and then then they have to say another lie to cover that lie. And then it just gets this, this, it just gets crazy. And then by the end of it, it's like, what are you talking about? But it's so crazy because they don't even know where the lie was and the truth is. And it's just all over the place. And then guess what eventually happens? Pong! And brokenness comes. Brokenness comes. And it affects us in so many ways. But not only that, not only is there brokenness, but James helps us to see another thing that eventually comes. Look at this, James 1, 14 through 15. This is what he says. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Eventually, it's going to end in death. Eventually, it'll get there. Now, here's what's interesting in this. We sin, and we, we miss the mark. And as Christians, sometimes we, 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 we kind of realize that. But, but what's interesting here in James is he talks about that idea of, of growth. You know that, that we talk a lot about growth here and growing spiritually and maturing. Do you realize that your sin can grow? Do you realize that there's things that you can grow in your heart that are not of God? And, and James is sitting here going, listen, listen, it starts with this idea of temptation. We all have it. It all comes. And that temptation leads us and entices us. To, and it's our desires. And that's what leads to sin. And if we allow those sinful actions to fester and grow in our heart, if we don't take him to Jesus, and we'll get to this in a minute, and allow him to save us and forgive us, those things will eventually lead to death. Not only will your bow break and you be a broken individual, but eventually it will end in death. 
And we need to understand that. We need to understand this idea of human sin. And, and, and to understand that. And to understand God's salvation. Listen, I want to give you the, like these two ideas that some of you have heard before. And I want you to understand, there's not one that's right and one that's wrong. In fact, what I'd love for us to do when we understand God's salvation and human sin is actually to take both of these things, like two hands, and put them together. Because they go together so well. But it's something that we need to understand. And it's in your notes. It says we can understand two different ways of understanding human sin and God's salvation. Number one, we can see God as the judge and we are guilty before him. Therefore, we need forgiveness and justification. The idea of this is like, you know, God being the, the, the judge in front of us. And we've all sinned. Remember, we've all missed the mark. And what we really deserve is death. But because of what Jesus has done, because he is over all, we have come to this realization, I need forgiveness, I need justification, because I have missed the mark. That's one way to understand it, and it's correct. Another way, which is also correct, is we can see God as our friend, and we have damaged our relationship with him, therefore we need reconciliation. We need that thing that was broken to be fixed and that relationship to come together. And both of these are true. God is judge. God is in charge. We are guilty before him and we need forgiveness and we need justification. But also God is friend and our relationship with him has been fractured. It's been destroyed because of our sin and we need reconciliation. We need it all. And here's the thing. You can't fix it. You can't bring forth, you can't go to God as judge and say, Your Honor, I have a case to present to you. Yes, I may have sinned. However, I always hit the red. I always hit some of the yellow. So therefore, I am not guilty. You know what God would say in His justice? Guilty. Or we can go to God, God, I, you know, you're my buddy. You know, you and I are our friends, you know, so, you know, you just want to just let this stuff go because, you know, we're just going to let it slip. And God would say, no, our relationship has been destroyed because of your sin, because sin brings forth separation. We need it both. And we can't fix it. So then we need to know what the antidote for sin really is. Paul tells us here in Colossians 1.22, he says, Yet now he, he is Jesus, has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Remember, separation now being brought in. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Go back to the archery for a minute. Think of your life as an archery tournament. And you've sat there and you've practiced and you've worked and you've done all this stuff, all your works and all your stuff. And you begin to shoot those arrows and maybe, oh, I nailed the target. I nailed the target. But then one begins to drift. You begin tired or, or, or you have an issue and one begins to go. The wind picks up and it moves and all these sort of things. And you look down at your life and you look down at your target. And yeah, maybe you hit some yellows. Maybe you hit some bullseyes, but you missed it. And now here comes the judge 
to judge your targets. And he's walking towards you and you're going, oh no. Because you know you miss the mark. And Jesus walks down with his father. And you get there. And basically, because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of his blood, because you called out and said, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive those arrows that I missed. The judge looks with his son because of what he has done. And he comes back to you and goes, holy, blameless, without a single fault. Why? You missed the mark. But Jesus went down and he made it all away. He made everything wiped away because of what he has done. And here's the thing. Like, listen, a lot of times we talk about sin. You know, it's like, oh, you know, well, this, this, is a, this is a message for the unsaved. You know what? Sure it is. It is, absolutely. But you know what? It is? It's also a, a message for the saved. Because we still deal with sin. And, and, and what we tend to do as Christians is when we sin... Instead of really understanding this concept, even though we've heard it maybe a thousand times, that Jesus has come to forgive us and to make us new and clean and wipe it all away, we tend to have this idea that when we sin, our temptation is to numb it, mask it, or cover it. Instead of going to him and saying, Jesus, make, clean me, make it, cancel that debt, we tend to, like, I don't want Jesus to see it. I don't want others to see it. I want it to be covered and numb. I want it to be masked over. And here's the deal. When we begin to allow sin in our hearts, no matter where we are spiritually, to fester, it will bring forth death. Now you may say, well, you mean death eternally? No, like we're saved. But I, I promise you, you let sin fester in your life, there'll be some death of some relationships. There'll be some death of some dreams and some visions that God has for you to accomplish. When we allow sin to fester, when we don't allow Jesus to come and do what he has, been, what he has desired to do to make us clean and be that antidote, we're going to have some issues. When I was a kid, I, I did this crazy thing like, like kids do it once in a while now. In fact, I actually saw this over the weekend. I was very excited. Like I, I would ride a bicycle outside. It was great fun. <clears throat> Without a helmet. <laughs> now maybe you're going, well, that's why he's the way he is. I don't know, and that's fine. But without a helmet. And I remember, man, I had, you know, again, the 80s. I had the coolest BMX bike of anybody. You know why? Because it was black. It had white tires. And it had those 80s hot colors on it. Yeah, it was like hot pink and hot green and lime. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like the blue, and it was cool. And I was cool riding it. And I remember there was one time, and I'm riding my bike, you know, and I'm having a good old time, and I went around a corner. I remember exactly where it was in my neighbor's driveway, and I took the corner a little bit too fast. And basically, I kind of did one of these numbers where I went off to the side, and, and, and basically, it was summertime, so I had on shorts, and I really skinned up my knee pretty good. You know, it was like, you know, but I was, I was like eight, you know, so I was brave. I'm not going to cry, you know, and I kind of walked into the house, and I'm going, oh, no. 
like this isn't good. And I'm going, okay, how do I get past mom? You know? And, and because moms have like a Holy Spirit sensing thing, I don't know why it's not listed in Scripture as a gift of the Spirit, but anyway, they have it. Like, I think, I think like I walked into the house and mom said, what happened? Oh, nothing, you know, and I'm limping, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And she's like, what happened? I, I kind of fell. And she said, come with me. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And we went up to the bathroom, and she opened up the closet. And I thought, okay, maybe it's okay. That's where the bandages are. That'll be fine. That'll be great. Bandage it up. Cover it up. But, of course, she didn't just grab the Band-Aids. She grabbed a disgusting brown bottle with a white cap on it. You know, it came from a sick-minded scientist who said, how can we torture children? And she said, okay, we're going to pour on the, the peroxide. And I'm like, no. I said, mom, mom, it's fine. It's, it's not that bad. I said, all I need, I, I remember saying this, Mom, all I need is just a bandage. I'll be fine. The sidewalk's not that dirty. It doesn't need to be cleaned out. Just cover it up. And my mom, being a good mother, said, nope. And then made some silly, I'll blow on it, you know. Because when your leg's on fire, the best thing that can happen is blowing. Moms are, all the moms are laughing, which makes me laugh, because you're like, I've experienced this and found great joy in it. You know? And so I remember I'm sitting there, I set up on the counter, my legs over the sink, and I'm thinking, okay, mom, just a little dab. No, 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 no. Whoosh! Whole thing begins to bubble and fester, and I'm just <laughs> You know, it's like I'm thinking, you know, now I know what it would be like to have an, you know, be, you know have, a, have a leg removed like in the Civil War. And it bubbles and, and she's. <laughs> Eventually the band-aid goes on. She says, you have to clean it out. You don't want it to get infected. And a lot of times in our hearts and our lives, as Christians, we still mess up, we still sin, we still miss the mark, and we have this deep, deep temptation to just simply put a band-aid over it. When Jesus came not to put band-aids on your wounds, he didn't come to put a band-aid over your sin. Jesus came and he died so that he could cover it and literally cancel it. That's what he came to do. And for some of us, we are walking around with sin in our hearts, in our lives that are growing and festering. And because we have a desire to cover it, we have not allowed Jesus to cancel it. Look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2, the second part of verse 13 into 14. It says, then God made you alive with Christ. 
for he forgave. Listen, do me a favor. If you got, you know, underline or highlighting your, all, all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now listen, I know for, for, for millennia, we have sung songs, and the Bible does talk about this idea of covering sin. We sing about it, and yes, that is exactly true. Jesus covers our sin. But you need to understand that there's something else that Jesus does, and Paul writes it here. When you go back to the original Greek, he cancels it. Here's why I say that. Here's what I want you to understand. If I take something and I put, I have the the stand up here, and I put a cover over it, your response is not the stand is gone. The stand hasn't been canceled. It's simply covered. And a lot of times what we do with our sin is we understand that concept of Jesus covering our sin. And I do agree with that. But here's the problem. At times when we understand that idea of covering, we also have this idea that comes from the pit of hell that at any point Jesus can remove the cover and then go, there, there's the stand. You thought it was covered, but it was always there. And a lot of us live our lives that way. We go to Christ. We ask for forgiveness. God forgives us. And we think, oh, well, great. It's covered. And we live with a fear that at any moment, God can take the cover away. What Paul is writing here goes hand in hand with that idea of covering, but also this idea of canceling. He is saying that basically this, God doesn't just cover our sin because of his blood, although he does. It's like God takes it away. It's gone. It's canceled. It's removed. And some of us, we have sin that we have had in our hearts, in our lives. And maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we went to the Father and said, Jesus, will you forgive me? And he did. And it's gone and it's canceled, but we live with this concern and this literal fear that at any moment God can rip away the covering. That's not what Scripture teaches you and me. Please understand here, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't cover our sin. There's plenty of Scripture where Paul and others use that terminology, and it's true and it's right. But Paul here, he wants us to understand that not only is it covered, it's canceled. It's gone. It's not coming back. You know who brings back our sin? Us. We're the ones who do that. So instead of covering it, instead of numbing it, instead of masking it, we need to let Jesus Cancel it and cover it so that it can be done. And here's the deal. You can try all you want to do it on your own. You can try, if I I just, let's go back to the archery. If I practice hard enough, someday I'll be able to hit the bullseye every single time. You're wrong. You won't. If I, if I give enough, if I, if I serve enough, if I do this enough, if I read my Bible enough, then somehow I will attain this level of perfection. You won't. 
We need Jesus. I have always loved this quote from Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was an evangelist and a pastor, and he said this, and I've always loved it, and I would love for you to get this into your heart. The only thing that you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. That's it. It's not your works, not your, not your time, not your money, not your effort. None of it contributes. The only thing you contribute is the sin that made it necessary. That's why we talk about sin. Because we need to understand that we have made our salvation necessary. And yet, because of that, look what we see in John, 1 John 1, 8-9. I love this. In John, 1 John 1, 8-9, here's what it says. Is it there, Jen? You don't have it. I'll read it. No problem. First John 1, 8 through no worries, no worries. First John 1, 8 through 9. This is what it says. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Your sin has made the need for a Savior necessary. Every single one of us. But yet, when we come and we confess our sin to Him, I love it. He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cover it, to cleanse it, to cancel it. All our sin. Is He we couldn't do that on our own because we're not over all sin. In the Colossians church, they thought, man, you know, and, and, and we see a little bit later on in the, in the chapter, or, in the, or in, the, uh, in the book, where they thought, you know, angels sometimes were, were at the same level of Jesus. You know what? The angels, the angels were not over it. They weren't over sin either. And Paul here is trying to get you and me to understand, listen, we all have a sin problem. We all have an issue in our lives, in our hearts, where we miss the target. And some of us miss it, like myself included, multiple, multiple times every day. I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. And Jesus came to be that. And he's the only one who's over it all. So you can run to your self-help book. You can run to the newest fad. You can run to a rock and rub it till it's nothing more than, than you got a blister on your fingers. But they're not over sin. Only Jesus says. It's why Jesus said, only me. You want to come to the Father? It only comes through me. Because he's the only one who's over all sin. For some of us, we've known that for a long time. For some of us, we've accepted that forgiveness and that love. But at the same time, and that grace, but at the same time, maybe there's been some sin that's crept in. And instead of taking it to Jesus... We, we, we numb it, we mask it, we cover it. 
And for some of us, we've been living that way for possibly a long time. And listen, just like at the very beginning when you went to the Father and accepted Jesus and accepted His forgiveness, and He forgave you, He was faithful and just to forgive it all, all sin. He can do that today. And for some of us, we have allowed sin to grow in our hearts and our lives. And God is here today to help you understand that He never intended for you to live that way. He wants to forgive. He wants to cleanse. He wants to cancel. He wants to cover it. No matter how bad you think it is or how long it's festered, there can be a freedom that you can experience today because of what Jesus has done. And for others, you know, maybe you've never really accepted that before. You know, maybe you've heard a lot. You know, and, oh, I heard about Jesus. I get the whole story and forgiveness of sin, but, but you've never really had someone explain to you what sin really is. You know, you've always kind of been kind of this kind of person where I'm not as bad as so-and-so. You've heard that? that term? I've heard it many times. Well, I'm not a bad person. I haven't killed anybody. And I'm like, good, that's great. That's awesome. Very good. But remember, it's not about the level of sin that you think is worse than others. It's simply missing the mark. It's missing the bullseye. And that's us all. And that's not something to beat you up with or to smack you over the head. It's simply to help you understand that you need a Savior. You need a rescuer. You need someone that can come and cover it and cancel it. And you can look in many, many different places, but it's only Jesus. It has only ever been Jesus. And He desires to forgive you, to cancel it, and as Scripture tells us, make you brand new because He loves you. He has a great plan for you. And His plan for you includes adoption and forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. But you don't need those things if you're perfect, if you haven't missed the mark. But every single one of us has. So it puts us in a, a, a time to make a decision. Am I going to let God through His Son Jesus, forgive me, make me new? Or am I going to continue in this rebellion and continue in this idea that I can do it all on my own and that I can make my own rules? It's really up to you. But I beg you that Jesus has something so much better for you than that. And He loves you and He wants you to come home. So let's close our eyes. Let's focus. We, only, we do that so we can just focus. And obviously there's two different groups of people that we're talking about here. One is the group that's, that has accepted Jesus, but you've kind of allowed some sin to sneak in. And, and maybe you thought, you know, well, Jesus is over these sins, but Jesus isn't really over this sin or whatever. Or you've allowed it to fester or grow. Maybe, maybe somebody said something or done something to you and and you've allowed bitterness and anger to grow or, 
or maybe it's something you've done, whatever it is. And today, Jesus is calling you to stop covering it, stop masking it, and bring it to him and let him cancel it. Because that's what his blood does. That's what his grace does. It removes it. And for some of us, that's us. We need God to do that. For others, we need that really done for the very first time. We need Jesus to come and forgive us. We understand now that we have missed the mark. Yeah, we may be fairly good people, but the mark is perfection. And none of us have been perfect. We've said things, we've thought things, we've done things that were contrary to the law of God. And because of that, and because God is creator, and because God makes the rules, we're sinners. We've missed the mark. But God in his love and his grace has made a way through his son Jesus. We can't make the way, only Jesus can. And if you want to accept that love and that grace and that forgiveness, you can do that today. Scripture says that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's Lord, we will be saved. You don't have to stand up and do the hokey pokey. You simply have to allow him to bring forth that forgiveness. So wherever you're at, you can pray those things as I pray. And God will hear your prayers. God will forgive your sin. God will make you brand new if you will let him do so. So Father, we come to you right now. And God, wherever we're at, God, if we're the, that individual that, that, have, that has known you, but instead of allowing you to continue the work of reconciliation and, and reconstruction and, and all those things in our hearts, we've allowed certain sin to kind of even now separate us from you and, and allowed that sin to kind of grow and fester. We've covered it. We've, we've masked it. We've acted like everything else was, was, was okay when really it isn't. And God, if that's us, God, we come to you right now and we bring that before you and you say, God, will you forgive me of this? Let's be specific, folks. God, will you forgive me of this pride? Will you forgive me of this anger? God, will you forgive me of, of, of this, this lying or whatever it might be, the, the idols that I have in my life? God, will you forgive me? And we know, God, that you said in your word that if we confess our sin, you will be faithful and just to forgive it and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God, for others, maybe we've never allowed you to do that. Maybe we've never really seen a need until today. And God, if that's us, God, all you've asked is us to accept you, to accept your love, your grace, your forgiveness, and to acknowledge that basically that Jesus, you were exactly who you said you were, and that you died for us so that we could be forgiven and that we can be risen because you rose on the third day. God, if we believe that, God, help us to confess it with our mouth and believe it in our heart. And we know that when we do that, we will be saved. Whether it's today or it's here or it's online in two months, God, we can accept you and allow you to cleanse us 
of all unrighteousness. Help us, God, because we understand you are the only one who can do this. You and you alone are over sin. And we're so thankful and so grateful that you love us that much to make a way where there was no other way. We love you and we thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen.